Hello, and welcome to another Sarasota Institute podcast. The Sarasota Institute is a 21st century think tank that is focused on 10 major topics we feel important for the future of humanity. Please go to sarasotainstitute.global to learn more. The Sarasota Institute is a nonprofit corporation. Hi, welcome to the Sarasota Institute podcast. I'm Jason Apollo Voss. This uh, is another in our series of education podcasts. Joining us today is someone I had the great pleasure of speaking with earlier this year. His name is Dr. Randy D. Ziegenfuss, and he's the superintendent of the Salisbury Township School District in Pennsylvania. He's also the host of the Shift Your Paradigm podcast. Welcome, Randy. Greetings. How are you today? I'm doing pretty well. How are you doing? Good, good. Good to see you again. Yeah, yeah, likewise. Nice to see you. Um, so first question, this this has got to be a softball question. What is learner-centered education? How does it contrast to the way education is more traditionally done? Ah, okay. That's a great question and something that's really uh, at, at the heart of what I what I love to work on and talk about these days. So we've all been through school. So think back to your education mm-hmm. and uh <laughs> you don't want to think back to your education. Well, I'm going to ask you and your listeners to think back to your your K-12 education for a moment and think about all of the things that you had to do to conform to the system. So you had to be in the system for 13 years if there was kindergarten back when you and I went. Um, you had to spend a certain number of days in school. You had to spend a certain number of hours in school. When you were in third grade, there was a certain curriculum that you took, and everybody took that same curriculum. So all those opportunities for us to learn how to conform, that's what we call school-centered. and our education is, is today's education is very similar to what our education was like. It hasn't changed much. It's still very much school centered. We still very much value and prize compliance. We want students to, you know, get a certain grade by taking certain assessments. We want that we want our schools to be standardized and to be very school centered because we want to grade them based on their cumulative uh, high stakes testing. So that's what school centered is, okay? It's where the individual has to conform to the needs of the system. So learner centered is where we actually turn that upside down and we say the opposite of that. What if the school conformed to the learner? What if, this, what if we started with the learner and we said, Jason, what are you curious about? What kinds of things get you going? What kinds of things excite you? What, what kinds of things are you working on out of school? And really getting to know the individual and then saying, okay, you're really curious about animals or forests or plants, or maybe you are uh, uh, into food and like to cook things. So by knowing all those little micro motives, those things that get you to tick, I then, as the educator, reframe my role from a teacher to a designer. And now I get to design learning experiences that are going to be personal and relevant to you and meaningful. And therefore, you're probably going to achieve, you're going to remember, you're going to make deeper connections 
to the work that we do because it is personalized. That's an example of how the system conforms to the learner. And that's what we mean by learner centered. So to put it all in one sentence, school centered is where the learner conforms to the system and learner centered is where the system's conforming to the learner. So that's super interesting. I, I, in fact, the reason I shook my head no about school was I was definitely the nonconformist, right? And was not comfortable in a school <laughs> setting, like out of school, completely comfortable. And I couldn't wait to get out of the school system so I could get on with my life. And I felt like, you know, I, I kind of had, if not mastered, had incorporated the, the skills that my school district had in mind for me. So this sounds, it's so interesting um, what you've just described. I'm guessing on the front end, there's got to be a lot of work on the part of somebody, either a teacher or some sort of specialist to sort of tease out with the student, to work with the student up front to identify some of those curiosities. Is that true? Is that a part of learner-centered education? Talk, talk to us about that. What does that involve? Yeah, so one of the things that we... Um talk about whether we're working with adults and, and getting the system to understand who the adults are as teachers who are learners. Um, or um, So we, we talk about this idea of connection before content. So our, the school-centered system is very much driven on this idea of pushing content out. The teacher's role is to become the expert and I might be a math expert or a science expert. And my role is really, you know, follow that biology syllabus, follow that algebra syllabus, and I just push out content. And in the school-centered system, I may not really get to know you all that well. Over the course of 180 days, hopefully I know something about you, but I don't really know enough about you so that I can design what my content is to be more relevant to you. Okay, so we talk about this idea of connection before content. And this is actually a great time of year, start of school. And a lot of schools are in remote learning. And one of the things that we've been reinforcing with our teachers is those first couple of days, don't worry about your content. You need to actually get to know your kids. So there's a lot of ways that you can do that. Um, there are learner profiles that are sort of like quizzes or, or surveys that We'll ask you questions about things that you're curious about. Um, how do you like to learn? Do you like to learn on the computer? Do you like to learn outside? Do you like to learn with other people? Are you more social? Or do you like to curl up into a nice nook with a book and read? Do you learn that way? Um, so you can do activities, you can do surveys to really get to know who the learners are. And then, and this is the art of teaching, the art of teaching is how do I take all those kids who are in front of me and those profiles or those activities that I've been doing to get to know them, to make that connection, and then figure out what's the best way for me to design the learning environment so that they can understand the content or the things that the system wants them to learn. So starting with connection before content and really getting to know the individual first. Sure, and then I'm guessing... You didn't say another C word, competencies. I'm guessing a part of the role of the teacher in designing the content is recognizing where in the curiosity that's being expressed by the student, there's an opportunity to master or advance uh, their competency with something. And I, I'm going to give an example, just hypothetically. Somebody's interested in plumbing, right? Let's just say they're interested in plumbing. There's analysis in plumbing, right? What's the problem? You've got a diagnosis, diagnose what the problem is. There's, so there's logical thinking. 
there's some form of problem solving. There's also a manual component to it. There's knowledge of various uh, things like gravity and how it pulls on water. Is, is that one of the things that, are these some of the things that uh, the teachers are listening to as they're working with the students? So that, that part of the design includes these competencies and skills to ensure that they can check the boxes? Yeah, one, one of the key things at the heart of um, learner-centered education is this idea of competencies. And the school-centered system is really about content, knowledge. We just wanted to memorize enough stuff that whatever the system wanted us to memorize, in case someday we actually wanted to do something with it or use it. Uh, learner-centered education is filled with competencies, and that is basically like, what am I going to do with that knowledge? You mentioned the, the example of the plumber. So I'm, I'm learning, whether it's mathematics, or I'm learning about science or physics or something like that, I'm actually doing something with it. I'm not just going to memorize all that information and say, oh, that's great, I now know that. Um, I'm actually, if I want to be a plumber or I'm interested in that, in that craft, I am going to be applying that some way. So the role of the teacher is to figure out what about being a plumber, I assume they might be an expert. Well, what are the competencies that are associated with that? And then what are the skills and the knowledge that I need to make sure that that student bumps up against? And the other piece about learner-centered education is as the teacher, I'm a designer, but I'm also not the only expert that that learner has access to because we have computers now we have technology and basically the sum of human knowledge is on the other side of that device so one of those competencies is how do i help that person take their curiosities and find the knowledge the other information or the network of people and the information in their minds how do i help that learner find that information and then make sense out of it so I'm a designer now, and I'm not someone who's just pushing content on kids, having them take a standardized test, everybody taking the same assessment at the same time in the same way, and then we move on, and maybe someday they'll get to use that information. Sure. So learner Center really does turn that upside down. So let's talk before we transition to the next question, just to, to finish this, this bit on learner-centered education. Uh, Talk to us about the constituencies briefly, maybe a couple sentences. And it's almost like you're giving a report card. How do students like it? How do teachers like it? How do school districts like it? The administrators, parents, employers. Talk to us about all the people who intersect with education. How are they liking this as a, as a paradigm? Ah, so um, this has been one of the challenges, I suppose, of having this as part of your practice. So let me step back a second and just sort of say, talk about the why. So, you know, Sarasota Institute is, is interested in thinking about the future and, and de designing the future and looking at the signals of the things that are happening out there. So one of the things that is happening is that the world is changing very fast. There are no really finite sets of knowledge anymore, and they're constantly changing and evolving over the course of time. And, we have to be able to ensure that our learners are agile and can think very, very quickly and update and be basically become learners. So we want to make sure in learner-centered education that um, the learners are prepared for the future and this sort of finite knowledge set that has been part of school-centered learning isn't, isn't gonna, gonna cut it anymore. 
It's not enough. So we're almost, and this could be the future of education, we're almost to the point where will curriculum as we know it go by the wayside and will only be in existence if that learner has a particular interest, passion, or curiosity? And is education going to be about fulfilling those competencies and those more broader skills, like being able to collaborate with other people, being able to develop curiosity and ask questions, and being able to pursue resources to answer those questions? So the future of education, I think, is is going to be moving away from that traditional paradigm of content and moving towards more broader skills. Now that goes back to your question of like, how do pe- how are people taking to this? Well, we all know that change is not easy. And, <laughs> and part of um, what's been the challenge in, in our job is really, this is about changing mindsets. And for some reason, education has this like entrenched, <laughs> mindset that's like part of its DNA and it's really hard to change and it's really hard for people to let go of the past basically and I think it's probably not just education but that's my field so that's what I'm really connecting to right now it's hard for people to let go of that traditional mindset so as a leader and this has been one of our curiosities that we've been focusing on the podcast is how does leadership need to change and be more of an accelerant for those shifting mindsets and this new way of learning. And one thing that we've learned is that, you know, traditional school leadership is pretty hierarchical, pretty top down. I mean, if you look at our system, it's pretty much federal government tells the state government what to do, state government tells the school boards what to do. School boards tell superintendents, superintendents tell principals, principals tell teachers, teachers tell kids. It's like this big system of compliance. Um, So we, as leaders, we wanna try and break that. So it's it's really hard as a leader to stop yourself from being that top down and thinking like we want that teacher to act in the classroom. So like we want the teacher to design the conditions for the learners to learn what they need to learn based on their interests and their passions and their curiosities, as leaders, we want to create the conditions in the organization to help people shift their mindsets, but in their own time. So I can't force you to change your mindset about something. I can merely place an idea or place a seed or create the conditions for you to experience something, but I can't like wave a wand and command you to do it. And that's the big challenge about leading schools in this direction is it, it, it would be so easy to say, well, just go in and tell people, this is the, these are the five things they need to do. This is the checklist. There is no checklist. And part of the problem, part of the challenge is that every learning context is different. So the leader has to gauge that just like the learners, just like the teacher gauges the difference in the learners and education is not standard anymore. Educational systems aren't standard anymore and we can't continue to operate in the top-down management style that we have in the past if we want to create this new system. So it's, it's 
a lot of heavy lifting. It's a lot of patience. It's a lot of critical thinking about how do I really design the most effective experiences for those people in the system, parents, students, teachers, other administrators to understand this new model of learning and the potential of it too, and why we really need to move in this direction. Sure. So if I may, I'm going to put words in your mouth, feel free to reject uh, or accept. Uh, We'll give the grade here incomplete. Too early to tell is what I'm hearing you say. Yeah, at this point, but one of the, one of the um, qualitative pieces in the evaluation that we might put there is that over the last five years or so, We have seen more and more learning environments around the country experimenting with this. And I'll say that experimenting because a lot of this is an iterative process. We know what works. We just have to have the fortitude to try it, to see how it goes, to learn from the successes and the failures and create new iterations of this. And we're seeing more and more schools across the country embracing this kind of learning. Um, so that is that is a positive indicator. Um, it's there's still a, a load of work to do, and it is truly heavy lifting. That's my fingers crossed. So let's yeah. get a little bit micro, right? We've been high level so far. What are the five elements, Randy? Ah, so the five elements actually come from Education Reimagined. Uh, they're an organization based out of DC, um, started maybe like five years ago or so. And um, they basically, so there are five elements, but we can look at these five elements uh, through the school-centered lens, or we can look at them through the learner-centered lens. So that's um, at the foundation of this is that paradigm shift, we call it. Okay. So first you have to think differently, like we talked about at the beginning. You have to move your mindset out of the school-centered and into the learner-centered, starting with Who are the learners within your organization? And those learners could be the young learners or they could be the adult learners too because we're all learners (laughs) within within the the system. And um, within those two paradigms, uh, we have five elements that really comprise what we would call powerful learning experiences. So if you think back to some of the most powerful learning experiences that you've had across your lifetime, they probably have these five elements. One competency-based. So you had to learn certain knowledge sets, but you were also applying them. And you also applied them in a way that might have been at a different pace or a different manner compared to one of your peers. Um, And so, you know, if you went through it more quickly, there was something else for you to do. You didn't have to like twiddle your thumbs while you waited for other people to catch up to you. So learning is competency-based. It's not constrained by time. Learning is personalized, contextualized, and, and relevant. And it goes back to what we talked about earlier. So that's number two. That's number two, yes. Okay. It's personalized, contextualized, and relevant. Um, it's not some abstract thing that you really don't care about. Um, it's something that the teacher as a designer creates conditions for you to make connections with based on who you are, what you understand already, and what you're curious about. The third element is learner agency. So agency is control. And it goes back to sort of what we were talking about earlier, that um, the learner has a lot more voice or a lot more choice, a lot more involvement in what they learn, how they learn it. Autonomy. 
Yes, exactly. Um, and it's agency is more than just like two choices. Like in the school centered system, we see examples of what people think is learner agency where, you know, maybe you have a choice of doing one of three projects or okay, that's not really two electives agency. in your schedule. Yeah. Yes, that's not really that's not really agency. Um, agency would be okay. You've got one of th- you have to pick one of three electives, but maybe you get to create your own. Okay, that would be agency. Um, the agency is a, is a complicated thing because people's mindset is agency means like chaos. Like <laughs> you have all the control and I have none. But it's like a seesaw. It's like it goes back and forth between the adult who brings the expertise as the designer and the individual who brings the expertise as the learner and the person who has experiences and connections that they're bringing to the learning. So we've got expertise on both sides and the agency goes back and forth. But right now in the school centered system, the agency tends to be largely with the teacher and the system and the learners, the compliant one. uh, Fourth one is um, learning is open walled. So this idea that learning just doesn't happen within the walls of the classroom goes back to what I was saying earlier. On the other side of this computer is the sum of human knowledge. Tons of people who have devices out there all around the world with expertise or people who are curious about the same things you're curious about. And how do we connect you? And you can do that um, with technology. You can do it by just going down to your local community and finding a problem to solve and learning within that particular environment. It could be in a park or it could be in a business. So learning doesn't just happen in a school. Of course it does, but it happens in other places as well. And the last element is that learning is socially embedded. So um, a lot of education technology in the last decade or so has been about putting kids in front of a computer, doing test prep software. It adapts to to the learner. That's not powerful learning. That's not social. It's individual. And not to say that there's not individual accountability or that there aren't individual opportunities to sit down, read a book, and, and you know, write about it. That's very individualistic. But powerful, other powerful learning opportunities are largely social. They're collaborating with other people. They're um, sharing curiosities. They're collaboratively problem solving there you know the one plus one equals three by me working with you we get something that neither of us would have gotten alone so those five elements we can look at them in a traditional school they probably exist to some extent and they exist in a much more um, concentrated state in a learner-centered environment and of those elements the one that really defines the difference between the school-centered and the learner-centered is that idea of agency. Sure. If you look at who's got the agency in the system, you can tell a learner-centered environment. So the idea about the five elements is, if I understand correctly, they are necessary conditions for a positive educational outcome. Yes or no? Because we've got limited time. Yes? Yes. Perfect. Yes. So thank you. Um, last couple of questions. Um, we're almost at the end of our time. You're an educator. It's COVID, right? We're we're recording this in the middle of the COVID-19 era. Uncomfortable for many educators, but I've had conversations with you previously. I know that you see the silver linings in things. What are the silver linings, if any, to the COVID-19 era vis-a-vis education? Well, I think, you know, um, being 
part of the Sarasota Institute and thinking about the future, I think one of the things David says is that in chaos can come innovation, you know, through chaos. And right now we're in chaotic moments. And um, there, like last spring, for example, there were a lot of things about that school-centered system in terms of compliance that were relaxed. We didn't have to take tests. We didn't have to go a certain number of days. We didn't have to give grades. All those sort of school-centered things for the moment were given up and, and created some chaos, but it also creates the opportunity to have conversations around, well, how did that go? What were the benefits of that? And is that something that we should continue to, to say, to sustain? Uh, so I think that more people, and, and I think now it's actually become very polarized, kind of like our country, more people are having conversations around that question of what are the opportunities here? And let's look at our particular learning context and figure out what could we hang on to that really sticks with that vision. Um, but then there's another camp of people too that's really all about all the operational stuff. Um, I, I know colleagues that have that are just really excited about all of the chaos that's come with, with like getting kids back hybrid. And what, what are my procedures going to be when someone gets, you know, a positive test and, and how are we going to do contact tracing? And they focus on that stuff, that sort of operational stuff. Um, and they don't have any of those conversations around what are the opportunities here? So I think there are, there are two camps, like there are in lots of uh, aspects of our society right now. Um, but there are definitely opportunities to start to ask those questions about, how could we uh, use this as a moment in time to accelerate our path towards that greater vision of uh, a learner-centered education that's ultimately going to serve the individuals, but also society as a whole as it is rapidly changing? Sure. So, Randy, final question, easy one, the easiest one I've asked so far. Where can people interested in what you have to say about education find out more about you and what you think? All right. So um, there are three places. So my colleague and I have two podcasts. You mentioned Shift Your Paradigm, and that's the one that's really focused on what our conversation was about here today, um, learner-centered education and learner-centered leadership. Uh, so we've done over 60 episodes where we've talked to various uh, learner-centered environments, leaders, and learners within those. And you can access that at shiftyourparadigm.org. Uh, we have another podcast where we talk to education thought leaders, authors, et cetera. In fact, David's been on a few times. Uh, it's called TL Talk Radio, and it's at tltalkradio.org. And then I also do a little bit of writing at a blog called Working at the Edge and workingattheedge.org. I love it. Thank you so much for joining us today. And if you are a Sarasota Institute member watching this and you enjoyed it, you found it informative, interesting, or fun, share it around. We'd love to uh, distribute more of these things. Randy, in concluding, I have to tell you, you said earlier uh, about in the modern world, on the other side is always more information and more knowledge. Thank you for contributing to mine today. I really appreciated you being here with us. My pleasure. Thanks so much. And uh, until next time, my friend. Thank you for listening to this podcast. Please go back to where you downloaded this podcast to find another one that might be of interest to you. Thank you.